Hey, listeners, a couple of weeks ago, a lonely couple in Seattle wrote in wanting ideas on how to be more likable. I think a lot of people are finding themselves in unfamiliar places and social situations these days. And I thought I'd read back some of your thoughtful responses. Lotus R. wrote, Seattle is not the easiest place to create a warm social network. It takes a very, very long time. Geological time is the kind of time I am speaking of before people here will become close and warm compadres or comrades. The people are not bad people, but rather a little slow to warm and a lot of repeat exposure is necessary. Okay, that's some insight. Thank you, Lotus R. Dr. Lisa wrote, Volunteer work is a great way to get out and positively interact. Friendships will follow. I like your style, Dr. Lisa. Lindsay wrote in saying, get a dog. Seattle is a dog-friendly town, so it's easy. Dogs force you to get out because you have to take your dog for walks and get them exercise. Dogs are super friendly, and they want to say hi to every other dog they see, so the dog will make the first move for you. The dog parks in Seattle are awesome and full of friendly people taking their dogs to get some exercise. That's great advice, but make sure you want a dog. That's the one thing I will add to that is you can't just have a dog for socializing. You have to really want the animal that you have. But it's all very great advice. I think it probably applies outside of the Seattle area as well. So thanks, everyone, for writing in. And of course, remember, you can still come see me live and in person on my Hello Again tour. Get your tickets at tignotaro.com. New cities are being added all the time, so check my website for the dates. Now, on to my very fun episode with my pal, Lauren Lapkus. I love the show, Tig. Big fan, big fan. Big fan, thrilled to be here. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, and I'm the wrong Tig for you to ask for advice. My next guest starred in the Netflix romantic comedy, The Wrong Missy. You've seen her in Between Two Ferns, the movie, and Orange is the New Black. And she was Emmy-nominated for her role on Funnier Dies, the earliest show. Lauren Lapkus, welcome to Don't Ask Tig. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I am a super fan of the podcast. So, <laughs> Long time listener, first time guest. Yes, yes. Now, you and my wife, Stephanie, are part of the same improv team, Wild yes. Horses, or as I call you, the horsies. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the uh, role that the group has played in your life and career? Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, we've been a team for... Um, oh, my God. I think since 2013 or something. It's yes. almost been 10 years, which is crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, we we do these shows where we have a guest come on and we like live shows and, and we will interview them slash just have a conversation for like 40 minutes. And then we do improv inspired by the conversation. And it's so fun. I mean, it, it really was a group that just came out of 
I got like an invitation to perform at a festival and I was like, well, who's fun to travel with? I'm like, Let's have a fun time. And so like it was just the people I liked at the time. And now they're my closest friends. It's just amazing. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a long time. We've, we have so much fun. And I, I love so much that I have that connection with Stephanie because she brings such a special energy to the group. Wouldn't you agree? I think she brings a special energy everywhere she goes. I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's true. But she always has a perspective I'm really surprised by. Yeah. She'll say stuff and I'm like, what? And like, she's she's so <laughs> smart and, and interesting. And then at the same time, she'll be like, I can't tell the difference between a goat and a sheep. And I'm like, what do you mean? How have you gotten through your days? I don't understand. I know. It's, it's such so a funny. weird weird thing about her but it's the same thing with her perspective that's really i mean obviously she's gorgeous but i mean her perspective i had not come across anyone like that and yeah she turned my head in many different directions of confusion and excitement and like whoa yeah she's completely unpredictable i think with everything she says and does because you once you think you kind of have a handle on it then she'll be like oh no i hate that thing or whatever like oh okay like i guess i thought you would have liked that or yeah you just never know i run into that all the time where i'm like (laughs) oh i thought you liked that or i thought you would based on this and it's like nope i don't like that i can't stand it and i don't ever want to see it again. And I'm like, whoa, okay, I'm catching up. It's so great. Yeah. That's fun. I feel like you're somebody that really, and this is we have in common, but you really go towards silliness. For sure. And you're very yeah. comfortable with it. Yeah. Has that always been the way with you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think as a kid, it's weird because I think of myself as being really shy as a little kid because I felt really scared of things internally. Mm-hmm. But I think I was pretty silly and like home movies will show that I was really silly. And then from a young age, I always wanted to be a comedian. So I think that was just like a natural inclination to like want to make everyone laugh and have fun. I love to be silly. I feel way more comfortable doing that than not. And recently I was acting in something with my husband that we had to be kind of serious and I couldn't stop laughing because I was looking at him and he was being so serious and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> like, it just feels crazy. I've done like some dramatic stuff and so uh-huh. I can do it. I just, I can see myself from the outside. And if I'm doing it with somebody who I know really well, it's harder <laughs> because it's just like absurd. Feeling. Yeah. You're saying that you'd always want to be a comedian and make people laugh and all that. You know, obviously some comedians, though, especially stand-ups, they don't go towards silliness. Totally. And I always tell people I'm 100% no-nonsense, but I'm also 100% nonsense. Totally. Yeah, well, in your comedy, I think definitely walks that line. Your delivery is not silly, Mm -hmm. but then the things that you're saying are often absurd and funny and silly and... That makes sense. I love silliness. It's my favorite thing. And whenever people ask about what I'm into or what I do, I, I'm like, look, I, I enjoy silliness. I love it. Now, you and um, Mike welcomed your first child almost a year ago. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. How's that going for you? It's amazing. I mean, she's just the best little person I've ever met. It's just so much fun. Yeah. I just love watching every single thing that she does. And I just every day she's doing something new. And like, I feel like we're getting into this window of time where she's getting her like, you know, her personality and everything. So it's like easier throughout the day. It's less just going through the motions uh-huh. of like doing all the steps. It's like we're engaging just keeping more. her alive, keeping her yeah, alive. Yeah. <laughs> and you're obviously known for loving TV. And does she yeah. watch TV? She, okay, so I never let her watch TV. Oh. I was planning to wait until she was one year old. Okay. But I had a situation come up where we all got COVID. Okay. And 
I didn't know she had it at first and I didn't have it yet and we didn't know anyone had it. I thought she was just teething and feeling really mm-hmm. down and yeah. kind of like low energy. So I decided to let her watch Encanto and she loved it. Uh-huh. She was so happy. She was turning around <laughs> smiling at me the whole time like, oh my God, people leave what they're doing and then the song is so good. And like, It made That's me so, so happy. Cute. Yeah. And then like yeah. the next day she was testing positive and everything so then i was like we'll watch the second half and so yeah. we like watched that i haven't been doing it ever since but like during that little window of covid times i was like we're definitely relying on the tv and it was great and i could i can't wait for her to watch tv you, i like think it's gonna be great do you <laughs> think she's thinking what happened to that thing that was so where did that go what i bet she's that? a little bit sad about that because it was a good time yeah we watched a few things we watched turning red which was also adorable and i cried at that oh Good movies. You and I are so different because I don't follow pop culture. Uh-huh. And I stopped reading the news nine months ago. Why nine months ago? Was it just like you had enough of something? It started to just feel so toxic. Yeah. And I just thought, I feel just like a receptacle for all of this negativity and salaciousness. And if I can't do something about it or I'm not doing something about it, then why am I just taking all of this in? Yeah. I stopped reading the news. I started listening to a five-minute-a-day podcast, and it updates me with some things, but I miss a lot of other things. I think that's really great. I definitely – I'm addicted to Instagram and Twitter, and I look at that all Mm -hmm. day, and I will – when I get to, like, a point of, like, not being able to take it, I'm like, I'm just – Opening this, seeing horrible things, closing it, opening it, seeing more horrible things. I don't need to know any of it, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, some things, yeah. But, like, for the most part, it's the same stuff repeated over and over from different people. And it's so depressing. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but I think we could spend a day in the life of each other. Oh, my God. (laughs) To wake up and then go to bed and take in the amount of information you take in a day. And then if you lived my life. For a day? Isn't that so interesting? I would love that. I think your eyes would just fall out. Like, I, I look I at my phone all day. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. You wouldn't know what to do. I think I would like it, though. I think I would. I think I would start to go a little crazy because my phone died this morning because it didn't charge overnight. And then I was like, I guess I could just be in the moment. You know, like, there's like, impossible. I want to decide to do that, though, not just have my phone die. Like, it has to be like a choice. To, like, uh-huh. I'm going to just be present. Yeah. Which I am capable of, but I love to be connected on my phone. Right. And I'm addicted. I think it's a mental, you know, problem. Well, if you ever see a moment where we could do that, (laughs) if there's a show or a video or somebody's going to put money towards it. Yeah, we have to be paid. Yeah. (laughs) How fun would that be to see us go through one day? Do I wake up next to Stephanie and you wake up next to Mike? Or is it you're staying home and just looking at the phone more? (laughs) I'm happy to wake up next to Mike. I really like Mike. (laughs) And I think you love Stephanie. So yeah, you know, that'd I don't, be easy. We've you know shared Stephanie. many hotel rooms. Yeah, yeah, you know Stephanie better than I know Mike, but I'd love to get to know him. I and mean, I'd love to be around a baby. Can we keep the baby? Yes, yeah. And I can take care of the boys. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. easy. All right. <laughs> well, Lauren, are you ready to give advice to uh, my listeners? Absolutely. You start in a, a movie about a blind date gone bad. This first question is about a blind date my listener is desperate to get right. Oh, Huh? Mm-hmm. Audrey <laughs> writes, Dear Tig, I'm 43 and I've been single for about five years. My friend and hairdresser is setting me up with someone she thinks I will hit it off with. And for the first time in a long time, I realize I am ready and excited. My hairdresser knows me. 
As I think about this upcoming date with a person who could be Mrs. Wonderful, I realize I have no idea what to wear. One friend said jeans. Another friend said dress like the person you want to meet. What? Mm -hmm. And a third said be comfortable. I'm not going to cancel the date from anxiety, but I could use any advice. First of all, the what at the end after dress like the person <laughs> you want to meet. And I feel that way, too. Me, because too. You don't want to dress like them. You want them to dress like that. And you like them. Yeah, I don't think that's right. Because I'm not going to dress how Stephanie dresses. That doesn't make any sense at all. No. I feel like, first of all, setting people up is so dangerous. Have you ever done it? Yes, I have. Uh, and did it ever go well? Well, I think they dated for maybe almost a year. It didn't sound like they fell in that's love good. or were committed, but I think they enjoyed each other. Uh, that's pretty good. I yeah. feel like I've had a couple friends go out with other friends and it's like one date, meh, you know? Yeah. And then I also like feel like I know, you know, when you know stuff about how your friends are in relationships, it's like, do I want to risk that they might do that to this friend? Uh -huh. Or, But I also think they're a good person because they're my friend. But uh -huh. like, it, you know, are they going to like, you know, not be committed or whatever their thing is? But I guess a hairdresser, the benefit of that is it sounds like it's not her close friend. It's someone she sees often, though, who knows her well. Uh -huh. So that means maybe... This person is just in a totally different friend group. I think that's positive. Uh -huh. It seems like, though, she's not nervous about the idea of the date. It's more that she doesn't know what to wear. Right. And that, to me, is, like, kind of the easiest part. It's just, like, wear your favorite outfit. Also, where are you going? I think that's going to dictate it. If you're meeting at the park for a hike, yeah. don't wear a ball gown. If you're <laughs> meeting for coffee, yeah, wear jeans. If you're yeah. taking each other out to a really high-end restaurant, but the most comfortable version of whatever those activities are. Yeah, I think you wear your favorite thing that you would wear all the time. Mm -hmm. You don't have to try to change or be special, mm -hmm. I think. It's just like look good and feel good. Mm -hmm. If you take a little extra time than you normally would to get ready, then that's probably going to make you feel better. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty fast and loose in terms of brushing my hair and stuff. But if I was going on a date, I would be... In trouble with Mike. <laughs> That's true. He would be in a lot of trouble. He wouldn't like that. Nope. Um, <laughs> all right, Audrey, well, um, wear what we said, which is your favorite outfit. That's appropriate for the location. An activity you're doing. But feel comfortable. I think if you're going to like a day date, jeans are great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no pressure to be fancy. No, but it could be an interesting moment to um, do something very weird. But <laughs> If you want to sabotage it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to send you in that direction. All right, Lauren, we're going to take a break, but don't go anywhere. There will be more questions momentarily. back. Lauren, this next one is what I call a hey boy. Hey boy. <laughs> Samantha writes, hi Tig. I'll jump right into it. My boyfriend of 11 years has never said I love you. Good. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. It's called Red Flag. <laughs> we met in college in our hometown, moved to Chicago, your town. Familiar, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have two dogs, own a house together, and are both in our early 30s. He's a great guy, very intelligent, funny, good-looking, honest, just very emotionally uncomfortable, I guess. I told him I loved him once, I think nine years ago, and never got it back, so I never said it again. Oh. Should I try again or keep waiting for him to say it? Either way, I'm happy. Just think it's weird. Thanks for reading. Oh, my goodness. Samantha, listen, I'll tell you this right out of the gate. I love you. Same. All right. Lauren and I love you. (laughs) That must be a very odd feeling because I love saying I love you to Stephanie and I love hearing it. It's a nice place for your feelings to go. Yeah. I just don't like that you're not experiencing that. And you clearly don't either because you wrote in about it. And it sounds like Samantha loves him. She said it a long time ago, nine years ago. Mm -hmm. It must feel hard to not say it. I also understand not wanting to say it if you didn't hear it back, Mm -hmm. but I'm interested in the relationship that if it's so good in all these other places where that didn't affect you enough to want to break up. Because I also know that people have broken up with someone when they didn't say I love you back, Mm -hmm. you know, or like, so it's like, oh, this isn't working. So clearly it works for some reason. But just thinking if he's not emotionally expressive, if that's actually what it is, and that's just who he is, Mm -hmm. and he'll never really say that. That's one thing, but I also feel like maybe there's a world where you could still be saying it to him and like, because that would feel good too. If Even if you know he loves you in your heart, mm-hmm. he just doesn't express himself that way and you want to say it because it's nice for you to express it even if you don't hear it back. I don't know. That's so hard. It feels like it's worth a conversation also. That's true. I mean, I'm also projecting what I would do because if I was – neck deep in this relationship that you're describing, I would feel like I would have to say, hey, can we talk about this? And then if you do feel satisfied by the answer of, I do feel that way about you, I just have a hard time because of my childhood, or I have this or that, or, you know, it reminds me of, I used to do this joke, which I I have it in my notes to revisit this because I do like it. When you first start dating somebody, I've always found it so interesting that you can be with somebody and so close to them and you can say things like, oh, I love your eyes. I love your hair. I love the way you smell. I love your personality. I love your laugh. I love being with you. Oh, but do I love you? All those things (laughs) together? No, no. I'm not going to say that, that I love you. The whole packet. No, no, but I will dissect. Just the eyes. I, just the you eyes. Just, you're comfortable dissecting every piece of a person and their personality and their look and everything. And yeah. you can just be so close. But I'm not going to say I love you. I know. It's so funny because it's so intense to say it for the first time. And I said it to Mike on accident. It was like, I didn't even mean to at all. We were like on FaceTime <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I love you. And I was like, good. I wouldn't have done it on FaceTime. I didn't even mean to say it. It just, I mean, it just happened. But that was kind of great too. And how but did he respond? I guess he said it back. I can't. I should ask him because I don't remember what happened. Actually, I just remember my side of being it, like feeling really crazy because I couldn't believe I said it. We had a similar thing where we were out to dinner and Stephanie um, was talking to me about a conversation she had with a friend about me, mm-hmm. and she said. 
Yeah. And I was just telling her just how I'm, you know, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And how I'm just in love with, you know, <laughs> with this woman and, and I was sitting there at dinner going, oh, my gosh, does she know that I was trying to I'm, casually, I'm the, woman. I'm the person that she's talking about. But I was just sitting there casually nodding, like, oh, OK, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then when mm-hmm. we went back to my place, we were sitting on the couch and I just turned to her and said, uh, by the way, um, I love you, too. <laughs> and she was like, oh, my gosh, I was sitting there wondering if you clocked oh that. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. But I would suggest for Samantha to have a conversation because it starts to feel like that elephant in the room type vibe. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you're right, because I think my instinct was say I love you to him. But then it's like, but maybe that's not the way to approach it. Maybe it is. I really I want to talk to you about something like it's hard for me Mm -hmm. that we don't express our love in this way. And I'm so curious, like how you really feel about me. Uh I mean, that's a tricky situation. And I think it's maybe, maybe are we are we so annoying? Because then we just went. And then when I said I love you, I then you. <laughs> Listen, the show is called Don't Ask Dig. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. You're, a good point. you're getting yourself in trouble <laughs> if I don't say the right thing or my guest doesn't. So but yeah, I don't great. I don't want to be hurtful to anybody. And, and no, 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 no. I just I just realized I was like, did yeah. that sound like we were just going like, and then when I said it, it went. Really but that's great. the whole thing is that it's fun and it feels good. Yeah. And Samantha. Yeah. Should have that. Yeah, for sure. And maybe he would start to feel comfortable saying it if you talked about it. Like it could, it doesn't mean you can't be together or something. Maybe you can get to a place where you're both saying it and then you're really happy that you get to say it. I know what I would do if I really believed that Stephanie loved me, but she wouldn't say it. I would say, here's the thing I'm going to tell you I love you. You don't have to say it. Will you at least just make this face or do this with your (laughs) hand? Make this signal to me. And you know what I mean? Yeah, like peace sign. Yeah, Yeah. just something. (laughs) The middle finger, whatever it is, just acknowledge me. Because when it's just met with silence, I would imagine it just doesn't feel good. So good luck, Samantha, with your boyfriend. And Lauren, this next one was sent in from Becca. Okay. Becca writes, my almost six-year-old calls me by my first name. (laughs) For about a year, I stopped being called mom completely. And now I am firmly Becca. I've tried to gently tell him that I would like to be called mom, which was met with a shrug. He's otherwise sweet and affectionate, and I feel like a good parent, so our relationship is good. Family and friends think it's adorable, but it's really hard to respond to it as lovingly as I do to my younger son calling me mommy. Mm -hmm. And as a stay-at-home parent, Becca gets a lot (laughs) of requests. Becca, will you please give me milk? (laughs) Becca, my brother took my toy. Becca, I love you. (laughs) Should I be worried? Should I continue to treat it as a phase? I'm sorry to laugh, Becca, but that, it is funny though. It is funny. I think what she's saying with like Becca gets a lot of requests. Yeah. It's like you're working for this person as yeah. opposed to like caring for your child, like who's calling you mommy. That's just really funny. Um, I don't think I could handle that. I think I would not like that. Does your daughter call you? She doesn't have any words yet. Uh-huh. Okay. But she's almost saying mama, uh-huh. but that's what we're working towards. Yeah. But yeah. I, I would appreciate that. I think being called Lauren might make me feel funny. But I also I know I know some people call their mom adults who uh-huh. call their mom by their name. Uh-huh. 
but it's sort of like a nickname dynamic. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of a choice. Yeah. Max and Finn call me Mare, which is French for mother. But then That's when nice. they see me on TV, like when they're flipping through, you know, Amazon or Netflix or HBO or something, they, um, they'll see me and they'll say, oh, there's Tig Notaro. <laughs> and then they just click past it. That's really funny. I want to know more about why they see, like how they're seeing it, you know? Yeah. Well, Stephanie said she overheard Finn imitating this workman that came to our house. And Finn was acting like he was working on something. And then he turned to Stephanie and said, yeah, I, uh, I'm a fan of Star Trek. Whatever. <laughs> Mentioned Tig again in that conversation. Oh, and Stephanie said it was the funniest thing because he was truly mimicking the handyman that had come to our house. Yeah, that's so funny. I guess if Becca asked her son to stop and he or to pivot and he didn't, mm-hmm. I don't know how much you can really force that with a six-year-old before it gets like contentious. Yeah. I don't know. Would it be helpful if he said please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with the demands? Or you could say, hey, I'll get these things for you. If you call me this yeah, name. Yeah, <laughs> or like I don't respond to that name being yelled through the house yeah. by you, because I'm sure maybe someone else in the house might yell Becca. But like children need to call me mommy in this house. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tough one. It is tough because it's like she said everything's great with them. But it sounds it sounds like she's annoyed by it. So I don't know. I mean, you have to. Well, yeah, if you're writing in to the world's worst advice show, <laughs> this must be rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> But Becca, you know, sometimes I hit a wall where I I think, I don't know what to say because I could see how it wouldn't feel great, but I also wouldn't know much beyond what to do other than to gently suggest it over time. Maybe asking him why he wants to call you that. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you can find a nickname that's closer to mommy or Mm -hmm. something that would work more for you or just have it not be your name so that you don't feel like you're being bossed around. Right. Well... Don't ask Tig. Don't ask Tig. Yeah, we did our best. (laughs) Lauren, you're a very smart person who um, occasionally plays not so smart people (laughs) on screen. Mm-hmm. That experience may come in handy for um, our last listener here. Oh, great. Hannah writes, I'm the ditzy, funny girl in all my past and present friend groups. It's a shtick I can't help but fall into because it gets consistent laughs and I find it funny. <laughs> but also, genuinely, I have no filters, so I will just say random stuff which pops into my head. And let's be real, most of it is very strange. However... I feel like people sometimes don't understand that I'm not actually dumb. And sometimes I get roasted pretty hard and it feels really bad. (gasps) How do I tell people without telling people that I want to cry when they do that? Wow, this question took a a heavier turn than um, I was expecting. Yeah. It started out that she is saying it's like almost a bit that she's doing. And that it's fun. And it's really fun. But like like part of the bit to me is you get roasted because I think mm-hmm. I would roast you in that situation. I know I would. You know, it's like that's funny. But I would never want someone to feel like they're going to cry from it. So that's that's a big reveal. Yeah. I feel like there's probably a way to maintain your sense of humor and being funny without adding – the ditzy part, I, I don't, I don't. Do you feel like it's like a fight back sort of situation? Like where if she says something random that goes in her head and then someone makes fun of her, 
then she can have a comeback or something. Mm -hmm. Like, let that part come out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or, come on, I'm not an idiot or something. You know, like, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. even. It doesn't have to be a huge comeback, like, roasting them back. But, like, just to say, like, okay, I'm not dumb. I just thought, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Because I I, I definitely do that. I say stupid, weird things, and then I'm like, I get roasted. And then I'm like, I'm not an idiot. I just said that. Right, You know, it's like, you could, you can't just. It's so playful. Yeah, you can't. Always just let it end with you do the funny or ditzy thing and then they slam you for it. Yeah. Because it is kind of in these kind of comedic moments or roasting moments that you ping pong back and forth. Yeah. And it doesn't have to go to a mean place. Just like you don't always have to be ditzy. I mean, you can change it up and try different things and bat it back and forth. Isn't it kind of funny to think that it's like kind of a bit for her, but they might not know that? Like, I wonder how many people I interact with who are like kind of doing a bit, but I don't realize it. You know, you, th- you think it's like her true personality. Yeah. If you're in her friend group. Well, yeah. In the comedy world. Yeah. There must be so many different personalities that appear when they go home. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Or being around like their family from growing up where right. it's like a whole different beast. Well, Hannah, we suggest don't let it end with just the rude roasting of you. And not to say you should um, fight back with harsh words or anything. If these people are really <laughs> speaking terribly to you, then I would have another conversation. You know, yeah, like if you're actually getting your feelings hurt because they're actually being mean, it's and it's not because I think sometimes you can get your feelings hurt by a joke that you know is a joke and that person didn't mean it, but it still hurts your feelings. But there is a difference if someone's actually trying to make fun of you in a way that's hurtful. Yeah. And you don't need to be around people like that. You do not. Lauren is right. And you can be funny and smart. You can. Just like Lauren Lapkus. It's possible. It is possible. (laughs) Lauren, it's time for one last segment. Mm -hmm. It's called Advice of Yesteryear. When Jerry brags about taking Ginny out, he learns that she dates all the boys. So as we see now, menstruation is just one routine step in a normal and natural cycle. How do you choose a date? Well, one thing you can consider is look. I did everything you said, but my boss still hasn't asked me to lunch. Oh, yay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As a listener, I know all about this. Segment. Okay. <laughs> this is where we take a real question from an advice column of yesteryear, and we try to answer it a little better. This question comes to us from a Dorothy Dix column in May of 1930. Dear Miss Dix, I am a girl of 17. And I am just wild to go to Hollywood and see some of those actors. I have seen one of these actors on the screen and I have fallen in love with him and want to see him in person. My parents do not approve of letting me go to Hollywood, but I have some money saved up toward it, but not quite enough. Would you advise me to save up the rest of the money and run away? I'm very unhappy because I cannot go out with any boys until I'm 20 years of age. Sue. Oh, I never get used to how people thought and wrote. It's so funny. <laughs> it, it's just, you just want to be like, it's fine. It's so proper. Also, just wait until teen magazines come out. 
You know what I mean? I mean, the stuff in the magazines I read growing up was like the nastiest filth. Like I was just revisiting one of these because I remembered this list of ways to please a man that I read like when I was growing up. It's like it's just disgusting, these things that they write. And then to look back at that and it's like so sweet and nice and just – I know. They weren't exposed to these things, but they also had to live in that time. So I don't know. (laughs) Imagine her – on social media, just if you plucked her out of 1930 <laughs> and put her on social media and just let her scroll through all these handsome men. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't need to leave your house. They're all right there. <laughs> but I mean, it is crazy to think she was only seeing them in movies and then just couldn't really see them anywhere else. So of course yeah. she wanted to get on a bus or whatever, because that's what you do in the 30s. Yeah. You get on a bus, eh? Yeah. And you, you take it all the way to Hollywood and you go find these people and look at them. Look, I mean, it sounded so insane when you first read it. But as you're talking about it, I'm like, she probably would have found him. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's pretty simple. <laughs> he was probably back then walking down Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> Just waiting for his job to start. That's what Just my <laughs> friends and I, we thought celebrities just hung out on Hollywood Boulevard. Is that what everyone thinks? Or were we just not so bright? I think maybe that. But I I, <laughs> I, I don't know if I thought that, but I I definitely, like, remember being totally shocked by the people I would see. I mean, it's always, you know, just when you're out, you will see celebrities mm-hmm. out and about. It's, it's very crazy. But, yeah, I mean, it's making me think of one of my favorite movies, My Girl 2. Have you ever seen it? No. Oh, it's a really sweet movie. But in the movie... Ada Sultanfuss, played with a plum by Anna Chlumsky, goes to L.A. to try to find facts about her mother who has passed away when she was little. Uh-huh. And so, like, she was, like, an actress. And so she goes and, like, pieces together all these things. And she's seeing all the big sites and all the stuff. And all these different people have little artifacts about her. And I don't know. I was just picturing Sue going around trying to find this celebrity and then being able to do it because – there was less going on in the 30s. Like, yeah. there's probably one studio, you get on the lot and you find him in the middle of his scene. And then, I mean, maybe you would have ended up with him. I hope she went. Yeah. She was only 17, though. It seems that seems risky. But also, how crazy that her parents were saying she can't go out with boys until she's 20. Yeah. Is that typical? In the 30s, maybe. I know, but I, I feel know. like they got started earlier. You know, you'd be. 23 with seven babies. So this seems very odd. Yeah, but I mean, maybe they don't want a lot of time for you to date too many people. It's like, figure it out pretty quick who's going to be the one that you're going to have 10 kids with and just get going. But also, you're an adult at 18. Right. Her (laughs) parents sound very strict. Yeah, she could save her money, get an apartment and a job, and then (laughs) go to Hollywood, Sue. Sue, just go follow your dream. I wouldn't stay home. First of all, don't focus on the guy. Yeah. You should have a career as an actor. You mm-hmm. move to L.A. Uh-huh. and you start it yourself. It's all available to you. It's just waiting. Yeah. How old is she now? Um, She was 17 in the 30s. 1930. Well, she's almost 100 or more. Happy. <laughs> Today. Oh, my gosh. Happy. Happy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say... Save your money. Wait one year, Sue. I know you're going nuts. I mm-hmm. know you're going nuts for this actor. I wish you would have mentioned who he was. Me too. Not that I know who that was back but then. But then we could have Googled him and see if he ended up with someone named Sue. Ooh, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, Sue, we say firmly, right, Lauren? Wait a year. Yeah. Save your money. Definitely wait a year now. 
Now, I know you're 110. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's safe for you to go yet to figure this out. And I know you're still trying to figure out how to turn this (laughs) podcast on. And the actor's 150 (laughs) because he was older than you. But wait till you're 18. Take that money. Get your apartment. Get a job. Save Mm -hmm. more money. So let's say you're 18 and a half. Go take the bus to Hollywood, (laughs) Sue. Do it. All right. Lauren, do you want to know what um, Dorothy Dix wrote back in 1930? Mm -hmm. Don't quit saving up your money to take you to Hollywood until you get enough to bring you back because you'll need it every cent. (laughs) For believe me, Sue, after you got to Hollywood, you would have a mighty slim chance of seeing the actor you have fallen in love with. There are hundreds of such silly little girls as you who hang around the studios (laughs) until they have spent all their money and are heartbroken and disappointed and disillusioned and shabby and think themselves lucky at last if they can get a place to wash dishes in a cafeteria. You You should be thinking about some nice neighbor boy and be satisfied to stay at home where your mother can keep an eye on you. Oh, my. What a witch. That's so mean. That's so mean. Can you imagine you wrote this letter, which is, first of all, almost as big of a deal as going to Hollywood itself as a 17-year-old or submitting to this advice column. Yeah. Then it actually gets in the paper. I know. And then you get that mean response telling you to just shut up because everyone's like you and, and let your nothing. mother keep an eye on you. Wow. Stay home. Harsh. Harsh, harsh. Harsh, harsh. I did not like that. <laughs> no, that's why we had to give her more reasonable sound advice. Yeah, you at least try. See what happens. Especially since she's past 100. Like, at least set her on the right track into she the has afterworld. A <laughs> yeah. She might meet him in heaven. There's still a chance. Ah, that's what it is. Heaven. Uh, that's <laughs> heaven. Sue, you'll see him in heaven. <laughs> Lauren, we did it. We did. That's the Aww. end of the episode. That was great. Yeah, it was so fun. In my opinion. Yeah. And in my opinion as well. I great. Mean, I'm we'll, so glad. We'll see what the listeners thought. Yeah. Do you have anything you'd like to promote? Yeah, I have a couple podcasts. Um, one is called Freedom, and I do that show with Scott Ackerman and Paul F. Tompkins, and we just share stories from our lives, and at the end, we play a different game every time. It's very fun and silly. A different game every time. Yeah, and listeners can submit games for us to play. And it's very fun. And then my other show is called Newcomers, and it's with Nicole Byer. And mm-hmm. we watch things that we've never seen. So we watched all of Star Wars, and we analyzed it, and we that. discussed it. We did all of Lord of the Rings. We did all, a lot of Tyler Perry movies, Fast and the Furious, and now we're doing Marvel movies. It's truly – it's so hard for us because we have to watch things we don't care about at all and then, like, really analyze them and talk about them. Wow. So it's great. It's a lot of fun. And if people, like – how if you have seen those things and you're a big fan, it's pretty fun to listen to, I think, what I hear because we have such crazy opinions because we're coming to it so late (laughs) and we don't know what's going on and then if you don't know those shows at all or those movies then you might like it because you can get all the synopses of the movies and then you know what they are you don't have to watch it yourself it's kind of easy that's incredible yeah i have a documentary podcast with cheryl hines and i love documentaries And it's still hard every week to make sure that I see a documentary. It's really hard. And I mean, Marvel movies and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, those are all like two and a half hours, sometimes three hours. It's like, it's not right. Well, in documentaries, you'll have a docuseries that'll go on and on. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, that's such a great show. Yeah. Nicole's the best. 
Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. She's so fun. Yeah, she's yeah. silly. She's very silly. And I think one of my favorite things about our show is that she cannot pronounce any name of any of these characters. Yeah. And so she just makes them up and just says whatever she wants. It's great. It's awesome. It's so fun. Yeah. Well, Lauren, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. And I hope that I see you in person sooner than later. Me too. Well, thank you. This was great. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye. Bye. And now that the show's over, head over to Tignotaro.com to buy tickets to see me on my Hello Again tour. New cities are being added all the time. So see you there. Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette, Shana Deloria, and Ryan Lore. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Sound mixing by Derek Ramirez and Rachel Breeze. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Pizza Shark. Our theme music is Friend and Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Shaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana. And I'll tell Becky. I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool.